It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, June 28th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Alaska House Speaker Louise Stutes expressed confidence on Friday that the House will vote on Monday to avert much of state government shutting down. Stutes, a Kodiak Republican, has been negotiating with House Minority Leader Kathy Tilton over what it would take to avoid a shutdown. Stutes said she and Tilton have worked well together, but they are still fine-tuning the details ahead of a vote. The House failed to pass a clause in the budget bill that would make the bill effective on July 1st, the start of the budget year. As of Friday, Stutes hadn't set the bill, sent the bill to Dunleavy's desk yet. Once he has the budget, he could sign the bill, veto it, or veto individual line items. If the governor takes no action on the bill, it would automatically become law roughly three weeks after he receives it. His administration said its provisions would go into effect 90 days after it becomes law. At least three of the 16 House Minority Caucus Republicans who voted against the July 1st effective date would have to change their votes to potentially avoid a shutdown. Members of the House Minority have said they want the majority to agree to a framework for a long-term plan for the state budget. Governor Mike Dunleavy's administration has said that many state services required by the Constitution would continue, while other services would be shut down fully or partially without a budget bill in effect. The mostly Democratic House majority has differed from the Republican governor over whether a shutdown must occur. Each point to different legal interpretations of provisions of state law and the Alaska Constitution. Dunleavy's administration has sued over the dispute. Two former Alaska Marine Highway ferries started their journey to Spain on Friday morning. A crowd gathered as tugs pulled the fast ferries Fairweather and Chiniga from Ketchikan's Ward Cove out to a waiting transport ship. KRBD's Eric Stone was there and filed this report. Oh yeah, big old, big old things moving. Who doesn't want to see that? That's Kalija Lacornu standing at Murphy's Landing a few miles north of Ketchikan's downtown. He's watching two AMAC towing tugs pull the 235-foot Chinega onto a waiting heavy lift ship. The 711-foot Red Z-1 arrived in April in anticipation of this moment. It's taken on water, partially submerging itself to allow the ferries to be pulled aboard and secured by divers. Later, the vessel will pump water out of its ballast tanks, bringing its deck and the Chinega and Fairweather back above the surface. But from the shore, progress looks pretty slow. Yeah, uh, big boat taking a long time. Uh, I think it's gone backwards as of now, um, but as really, still exciting. <laughs> the, the inches it's moving is breathtaking. <laughs> the Red Zed has become a familiar sight over the past few months in Ketchikan's Tongass Narrows. Angie Taggart says she looked out at the massive U-shaped vessel almost daily as she drove by on her way to walk her dogs at Ward Lake. Um, we've all been waiting. I think the whole town's been waiting to see this process um, for a few months. Um, but it's, it's sad to see the ferries leave. Several of the few dozen people gathered say it's a bittersweet occasion. Well, to me, it's, it's sad, of course, to see it go. That's retired Alaska Marine Highway Captain Bill Hopkins. He says he sees the vessels as a symbol of mismanagement of the ferry system. He says things started to change once the aluminum-hulled catamarans entered service in the mid-2000s. From my point of view, as soon as those vessels came into the fleet, 
so much money was diverted their direction, the rest of the fleet somewhat suffered at a time when the rest of the fleet was aging and the maintenance was becoming critical and the, the money just got spread too thin. The two fast ferries cost the state $68 million to build. Though their speed made them popular, they took more fuel and maintenance to run and struggled in rough seas. Cost-cutting decisions pulled them from service after about a decade servicing Alaska communities. The state of Alaska negotiated $5.1 million for the pair in a sealed bid auction to a Spanish ferry company. Hopkins says he'd like to see the state make smarter investments in the future. They've done uh, everything possible except replace the older ships that need replacing. They've tried uh, high-speed ferries, they've tried Alaska-class ferries, they're doing everything and anything except what they should be doing. He says the next ship the state ferry system buys should serve as a replacement for the Malaspina. That 450-passenger vessel is in layup and unlikely to ever sail a state ferry route again. Governor Mike Dunleavy recently offered the 58-year-old ferry to the Philippines for free. Several people shared fond memories of riding Alaska's blue and gold ferries. Kathy Gibb-Bainey says she rode on the Malaspina's maiden voyage as a baby, but she says she's dismayed by budget cuts in recent years that have meant less service. The ferry system is a lifeline down here. Unfortunately, it's a lost lifeline almost, and we're getting tired of it. The Spanish ferry operator Trasmapi runs catamarans to and from the island of Ibiza in the Mediterranean Sea. To get there, the Red Zed will ferry them to the Atlantic via the Panama Canal and the Strait of Gibraltar. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. In Haines, members of the Alaska Native community gathered to honor the children and all those impacted by the violent legacy of Native boarding schools. This follows the discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves at at least two former boarding schools in Canada that has led to international calls for reckoning with colonialism's violence against North America's indigenous children. KHNS's Corrine Smith reports. On summer solstice evening, First Nations people across Canada and the United States gathered to honor the 215 Native children whose remains were found at the site of the residential boarding school near Kamloops in British Columbia. In Haines, community members gathered Monday at the Alaska Native Brotherhood Hall. Nancy Keene was one of the organizers. My name is Nancy Keene. It is my Western name and Skinyatla Yuchatuasak Yeth Nahatsati Luknahadi Ayahat. The group shared drumming, songs, prayers, and poetry to honor the children, the loss and tragedy for families and communities. At six PM, she says everyone got quiet. A moment of silence for the children and then we went into uh, a song, and that was really wonderful. And it was just, I think uh, unifying is really the key word there. We were coming together. We are going to honor these children. Keen says Native communities have always known about the deaths and trauma suffered by children and families in the boarding school system, and the excavation of remains is just confirmation. 
same for the First Nation peoples in Kamloops, B.C. She says authorities had dragged their feet on doing a proper investigation until now, so the community initiated their own. They knew exactly what they were going to find, so this is all something that has been spoken about and whispered about for a long, long time. Now it is validated. We have tangible, solid proof. Keene says that's what's more painful is the public shock at the news. And the wider public, and specifically white people, need to take the opportunity to learn more about the history of the boarding school system and its ties to colonialism and attempted erasure of indigenous peoples. We all have technology at our fingertips. It's, it's a matter of doing the work. Go and look. It's all there, not just this community, but all throughout Southeast Alaska. And we, in, we call it Tlingit-Ani, the land of the Tlingits. And so all throughout this region and all the way north into the Yukon and B.C., we're talking about the same thing. There's all these things that have happened. In Haines, across from the A&B Hall, is the site of the former Native boarding school and foster home, Haines House. The school operated from 1921 to 1960, run by the Presbyterian Church. Keene declined to comment about Haines House. She says survivors could tell their own stories. But the legacy and impact is widely felt. All of us, I mean every single one of us that are Alaska Native or American Indian have endured trauma at some level because we are, all of us, first, second, third generation boarding school, residential school survivors, all of us. And looking ahead, she says it's critical to support Native communities. So in my mind, it's time to focus on those things that we're missing in our Native communities for all these people that have endured the uh, traumas of the boarding schools and residential schools. What we're talking about is we need to reconnect to our songs, our ceremonies, our connections to the land, how we prayed. Um, with that, we create love, joy, and kinship. We revitalize our languages, rematriate the land. So we need people to meet us halfway so we can share with, with everyone what that means. There is a memorial up now in Clinkett Park of children's shoes lined up to honor and remember the Native children lost and all those impacted by boarding schools. And the tragic revelations continue. On Thursday, three days after the solstice remembrance in Haines, at least 751 unmarked graves were discovered outside another former Indian boarding school in Canada. This time, it was the Cowessis First Nation who uncovered the site of the Maryville Indian Residential School in Saskatchewan. In Haines, I'm Corinne Smith. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick peek at the weather for Sitka for today, Monday, June 28, 2021. Today, mostly clear. Highs in the lower 70s. Light winds becoming northwest around 10 miles per hour in the afternoon. <laughs>